All right. Thank you. We are um, starting a new brief series this week and next week. I'm going to be preaching on the church, the hope of the world. And um, two weeks from today, um, Alex Kendrick, uh, part of the, I forget what, Facing the Giants and all those movies. I know you've seen them. He'll be speaking here. I heard him preach back last spring at Lee University. And um, he has a, a message of revival for America. And we're excited about him being with us. Now, I share that because these next two Sundays, and you can pray for me because y'all know when I start a new series, the first Sunday I'm tempted to preach the whole thing and then spend the remaining weeks reviewing but I don't want to do that this morning. The church, the local church, is the hope of the world. The proposition I want to offer these two Sundays is this. A biblical church where people are loved, his truth is proclaimed, and his spirit is welcome is a place where life transformation happens, and it will be like heaven on earth. How many of you love the local church? When it operates according to scripture, when the spirit is welcome there, it's truly like a taste of heaven. In the book of Ephesians, many theologians call the letter to the church at Ephesus from the apostle Paul, his summit epistle. An epistle is a letter. It's like it's his, this was his best one. All of them are good, but this one, he was just in the right spot. And he writes a lot about the church in those six chapters. We'll take our text for these two weeks from the last four verses in chapter 2, which say this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are citizens. Everybody say the word citizens. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Everybody say family citizens to members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. These last two verses, I want you to pay particularly close attention. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also joining us Jews. And you're, together, we are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so we see, we progress, and I'll, I'll come back to this, from being citizens to family members to the containers of God's glory and presence in the earth. Now I want to submit to you that I believe truly. I could do other things for a living, but this is a calling. And I love the local church. I've loved it since I was a kid. It's the hope of the world. Growing up in the church, I can remember church being a big deal. When I was in high school, there was a nine-week revival, seven nights a week that came to my town. And Perry Stone was the evangelist. And I know many of you know him. And he was 18 years old. And it got to where there was no room for the people. One of the biggest churches in Virginia. And 
we stayed in the altar so late during the school nights that many of our kids, like dozens, would check into school late because of what God was doing in that revival. I remember as a child hearing another Church of God pastor on our district just across town say to his congregation, especially wives who had a husband who wasn't walking with the Lord, he said to them, if your husband doesn't know, know the Lord, you need to go to Charlie Ramsey's church because husbands over there are getting saved one after another. And I remember that my dad had an anointing for that. Growing up in that kind of atmosphere where I heard good preaching like rhema, life-giving sermons that I've never been able to get away from. I've sat in powerful worship services. And even at an early age, I had regular encounters with God in the church. 25 years ago, my sister and my brother-in-law went to close down the Mission Church, downtown Atlanta, just off the Tech campus on 14th Street. In my brother-in-law's first sermon, the overseer had asked him to go down and let's take about six months to close that church down because it had, its best days was in its rearview mirror. And there was just a handful of people now because everybody, white flight had happened and everybody lived out in the suburbs and no one was coming back into that part of town and it was dangerous. And my brother-in-law was preaching and a prostitute got saved on the first Sunday. And the second week, she brought her pimp and he interrupted my, my brother-in-law's sermon and Bruce, you've heard him, many of you tell the story. And the guy stood up and said, I want to come to Christ. And he said, wait, we don't do that until the end of the service. <laughs> and 25 years later, where there was a plan to shut down that church, life came back into that Lazarus church that was dead and stunk. And now he's on the president's commission. They're saving people from sexual trafficking. The stories for 25 years have been just amazing because the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. One of the things I've prayed for my children, there's 12 things I pray for them, and then there are things I've prayed for their mates before I ever knew any of them. And I've always said, Lord, may they love you, and may they love ministry and caring for people. And may they love the local church because they're going to need it. I want them to raise my grandchildren in the church. Now I would ask you today, what is the hope? Is there any hope for young men and women who are struggling with drug addictions? Even out here in the suburbs. You may know we're part of what they call, Fulton County calls the Bermuda Triangle. Where heroin and fentanyl. It's not just taking kids who are dropouts, but cheerleaders and football players and good students. What is the hope for that couple across the street whose marriage is struggling? What is, where can that coworker that works in the cubicle next to yours who is struggling with chronic depression, what, what is their hope? Do we think that counseling is going to, 
help the 16-year-old who's lost his way and now damaged his own mental capacity? Is counseling enough for the things that we're facing? While I love counseling and believe in counseling, I think many of the situations our culture is facing, the church is the only place where real hope is going to be offered. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. That's where truth is proclaimed. And that's where the Holy Spirit is welcome. And when those three things come together, how many of you know, people are transformed and they receive new hope. Amen? 66% of kids that grow up in the church, these numbers are just before COVID in 2019, grow up and leave the church and their Christian faith. 6,500 evangelical churches are closing in America every single year. Evangelical churches. They believe the Bible is the word of God, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he's the only way to the Father. Evangelical church, 6,500 are closing every year. Tom Rayner says that in the next 10 years, we will see 100,000 churches, evangelical churches in America, close their doors. What's happening? What's going on? What's gone wrong with the church? In a recent magazine article in The Atlantic, one young atheist who abandoned his church upbringing offers this reason for his disbelief. He says, Christianity is something that if you really believe it, it would change your life and you would want to change the lives of others. And he says, I haven't seen too much of that. Let me ask you, if you found yourself, imagine you find yourself on a deserted island all by yourself and all you have is a Bible. And you have food supplies and a Bible. And you read the Bible and you find out about a God in heaven who sent Jesus. And you begin to see the truth from heaven. And you understand the power and the love of this God. And you see what he did after his resurrection when the Holy Spirit fell upon a ragtag group of people. And you begin to see what the possibilities are for the church. Imagine what you would think about the church. Now compare that to your experience in church. Not just here now, but in your last five or ten years. There's a gap, isn't there? It leaves us with a, either a doubt, is this book true or is it a fairy tale? Or does it leave us with hope that maybe if we get things right, God can invade the earth again. I said, God can invade the earth again through the church, through the power of his spirit. You see, y'all know how I'm wired. God designed the church to be much more than what the majority of us are experiencing in the church. And there are many people who believe this, like I do. And they want to see the church reach her full potential. Revelation chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture, verse 15 and verse 20. Jesus said, I know your deeds, he's speaking to the church at Laodicea, that you are neither hot, uh, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 
Verse 20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is Jesus, hear me, after giving a very strong rebuke. It doesn't get much stronger or more graphic than I'm about to vomit you. Can you believe the Savior of the world said that? To the church. I mean, this is a rebuke. No, rebuke intended. This is a, and yet he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you will open up the door, I will come in. I remember in the 90s when I was a youth pastor and traveling, and um, it was in the 90s, we're like, what's up, what's up? You know, and they, some kids are dopey old guys like me still say, what's up? And I, I used to say to our kids, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door, I will come in and say, sup with you. <laughs> he wants to come in and to have real and intimate relationship with you. Now, in February, we were in a conference out in Dallas, and um, we heard a new song introduced by uh, Fellowship Church, and it, it grew on me, and I was like, we have got to do that song. And I've been dying for six or seven months to do that song. And I want to invite, there's some young men and women from the well, and there's some young kids from the youth group, student group. I want you to come join me. And I understand, oh, there. Oh, there you are. How'd y'all do that? You weren't supposed to be out here yet. Let's give this group a hand. Isn't that a good-looking group? Awesome. All right, are y'all ready to worship? Put your worship face on. No, wipe off your other face, and now wipe on your worship face. Y'all ready? Practice. All right. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? You don't sound, are y'all ready? Y'all are not ready. Are y'all ready? All right. I want to teach you this song. So everybody stand up. It's our theme song for the next two weeks. And we're going to sing this song prophetically. And so the chorus goes, The church is the hope of the world. If I can get the lyrics. It carries the message of Christ to the earth. She was built with now scarred the gates of hell don't stand a chance. Y'all believe that? The gates of hell don't stand a chance. Now sing it like you believe it. The gates of hell don't stand a chance. So I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's take it one more time. I want you to know the chorus. The church is the hope of the world. It carries the message of Christ to the earth. She was filled with nail scarred hands. The gates of hell don't stand a chance. I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus. All right, can we, let's teach the bridge too. Y'all ready? Yep. 
This is all that matters. This is why he died. This is now or never. It's not a time to not. Hold up a second. I know y'all are just getting it for the first time. How many of you love it already? It's not a time to hide. Y'all out there? It's not a time to hide. This is all that matters. This is why he died. This is now or never. It's not a time to hide. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. This is resurrection. This is death to life. This is kingdom coming. We're running out of time. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. All right, y'all ready? Turn and tell three people around you, I want to hear you sing this song. Tell somebody right now. We're going to fill this room with this powerful and prophetic song. Woo! I love a good, well-written song. Are y'all out there this morning? Father God, we pray, pour your spirit out as we sing and worship you, Lord. Here we go. Y'all ready? Take us away, Dean. I remember the feeling. I remember the moment. I remember my God down. I remember eyes open. And I gave it all. I gave it all to you. And this is more than religion, this is more than a building, and this is more than tradition, this is why we are living, so we give it all, we give it all to you, we give it all, we give it all to you, come on, cause the church is the hope of the world. Carries the message of Christ to the earth. And she was building nails, God, and the gates of hell. Don't stand a chance, I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. There is power when your people gather. You believe that? The truth and the spirit are working together. But there's nothing you, there's nothing you can do. Oh, Jesus, make us more and more like you. It's the church, is the hope of the world. It carries the message of Christ to the earth. She was filled with nails, gardens, and gates of hell. Don't stand a chance, and I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ. Till the day I die, I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. This is all that matters. 
This is why he died. This is now or never. It's not a time to hide. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. And this is resurrection. And this is death and life. This is kingdom coming. We're running out of time. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. This is all that matters. And this is why he died. And this is now or never. It's not a time to hide. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. And this is resurrection. This is death and life. This is kingdom coming. Come on. We're running out of time. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. Let's build this church. God, build your church. Let's build this church. Because the church is the hope of the world. Carries a message of Christ to the earth. She was filled with nails, God hands, the gates of hell. Don't stand a chance. I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ. Until the day I die, I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. Till the day that I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, we bless your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name. Now you can be seated. If y'all don't mind, will y'all hang here with me? I'll be brief, I promise. Y'all trust me, right? Now, we just sang, and if you guys would just stay, we're gonna sing this again as we do communion at the end of the service. Now, it said this is more than religion. It's more than a building. It's more than tradition. This is why we are living. So we give it all, we give it all to you. And I love the second verse. Oh, there is power when your people gather. Anybody know about that corporate gathering? What happens? I was in eighth grade and middle school growing up in Virginia we grew up not far from Virginia Tech and so on Saturdays I would go over and I would sell cokes at the game and it was a way to get in and you sold you carry around that thing and you sell coke for everybody that wants to put a little liquor in their coke or a little coke in their liquor and you make a dollar for every 25 cups you sell and I can I can remember I had been playing football and I was in eighth grade on the football team now, I, I could take you to the place where I was in Lane Stadium. I hadn't experienced this before. The first kickoff. Have you ever felt adrenaline, adrenaline that changes you? Like, I'm eighth grade, probably 130 pounds, and I'm like, bro, I should be on the sidelines today. I could run the ball for 150 yards today. And I thought... Have you ever had adrenaline touch you like that? I can remember warming up in high school basketball games and 
throughout the week in practice, you know, you'd jump up, you could grab the rim at my 5'11 and 7'8s. I like to call me six feet, but Candace reminds everybody I'm 5'11 and some change, and it's shrinking. But in warm-ups, put seven or 800 people in the stands, and you're like, this sub-six-foot white boy can, like, throw it down. Adrenaline does that to you. There's a spiritual adrenaline. COVID's wreaked havoc on corporate yes. expressions of faith, like crazy faith. When you get in the room with, get in just a Bible study with four other men, and they believe the word of God. Something happens. It's like, you struggled all week, but now you can go up and tomahawk dunk because something happens. Brothers and sisters, that's a biblical thing. I'm not talking about hype or programming. I'm talking about get some people on the same page. This is Acts chapter 2 kind of stuff. In one place, in one accord. And things from heaven will start filling that room. Are y'all out there? I love this second verse. It says, there is power when your people gather. And I love this. The truth and the spirit are working together. And when that happens in that environment, there's nothing, there's nothing you can't do. Oh, Jesus, make us more and more like you. In Martin Lloyd-Jones' commentaries on the book of Ephesians, he says that the Apostle Paul is always moving from one place and graduating to the next and to the next. And in our text, you probably didn't notice it from Ephesians chapter 2. He starts and he says, as I pointed out to you, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. Everybody listen. There's three different places most believers find themselves in the church. Some, they're not in darkness anymore. They're on their way to heaven. And they kind of see God like their mayor or governor or president or king. And they're citizens. And thank God they're on their way to heaven. But when you move beyond kind of that religious identification, he said the second one is you've been made members of his family. And some people, that's kind of like the ministry of deliverance. When you go, I'm healed from the issues that limit me spiritually and I can now see God as my father. And I'm not orphaned. I'm like a son or a daughter, depending upon, of course, your sex. And you move and and that's a good place for people to be. And I think there's a lot of people in this church that are in that place. They're not citizens and saluting their mayor or governor. They've been moved into the house of a father. But then he mentions, and this is the goal. The third thing is found in the last two verses. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also with us Jews being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. I want, you've got to catch this phrase. Everybody's, where God lives by His Spirit. Say that with me. Where God lives by His Spirit. God lives in me. I'm not just a citizen or a family member. I'm now, an, I contain an intimate relationship. And it's maintained by what the Holy Spirit does in my life and what I allow and respond to. 
in that intimate relationship, the Holy Spirit being in me, leading me, guiding me, speaking to me, revealing things to me, giving me discernment. It's a very intimate place and powerful. A.W. Tozer, in his classic book, The Dwelling Place of God, he says, let no one interpret the scriptures for you in such a way as to rule out the Father's gift of the Spirit. Are y'all picking up what A.W. Tozer is putting down? Every man is as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. Make your heart a vacuum and the Spirit will rush in to fill it. Paul uses the word mystery all through those six chapters in, in the book of Ephesians. I, 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 I want to do a good job presenting what I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning. Paul says, even in the first chapter, you've been seated in heavenly places. I pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation too. Because you're not going to get this mystery. All through it, even in, in chapter 6, chapter 5, he talks about the mystery. And he says, not of the husband and wife relationship, but of the husband and wife relationship. God and the church. And he over and over says, mystery, something that's hidden that God wants it to be unhidden. And Paul always says, may the eyes of your heart be opened by the Holy Spirit so you can understand the mystery. God, help us to not just flow shoulders up, head only, cerebral, which is what most Christians do. But Lord, by your spirit, help us to be shoulders down and shoulder, our heart and our head. Not just our heart being emotional and crazy, but our heart being touched by the truth. Brian opened the service and he said, we worship spirit and truth. Both of these things. And so, when we gather as the church, this is a profound picture. I haven't, didn't read this in a book. Just in going, okay, God, I've studied all week. What do you want to say? And here's what the Lord, he wanted me to say. We're, by his spirit, he dwells in us. And here's a second biggie. When we gather we should come with Red Sea anticipation. Going like Moses. God, your word to me was, I'm on holy ground, take off my shoes. I obeyed you. And you said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Because you said you were bringing us out. By your spirit, I obeyed your word and you said you were bringing us out. Me and two million plus others are right here. And the only thing separating us from out is this Red Sea. And here they come. And so Lord, we don't know what to do except to set our eyes on you. Remember? you all are at God you said I did and here I am in a crisis 
Maccabee calls it. And so I look to you. And what does God do? Whoop, whoop. Bye-bye, Felicia, you know. We should come like Resurrection Sunday, like the first one. The disciples missed it. Jesus had told them when they took communion. This is my body's broken. He had told them, remember, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be the Jonah. I'm going to be in the belly of the earth for three days, and then I'll be resurrected. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things I have said to you. And we should come on every Sunday morning going, God, this has been a tough weekend. It looks like you're dead and don't care. And we left everything to follow you and all hope is lost. Except we come to church and we remember you said in your word, you would come back again. You said on the third day, and we need to come just like that every Sunday in worship as a church going, this is resurrection. And we should come going, it looks like all hope is lost. And we watch God do the miraculous. This is what we need to do as a church. To worship, to believe him for the impossible. Now, the Bible way, remember I said, if you took the Bible and you read and you learned about church, what would you think? You, you can't help but read the book of Acts and go, dang, I was born in the wrong century. How many of you would have loved to have been there in the first century church without your smartphone, an iPad, and indoor facilities? There are no takers and you, let's be honest, we're going, I kind of like this. You can't help but read it and go, well, if I can't go back, Lord, you come and visit us. I know, I'm, I, this is a hard sell this morning. Because you're going, Pastor Chuck, the church is full. The budgets are increasing. Even without a parking lot, people are still coming to church. Try the decaf. And I go, there's more. There, there, there is more than big crowds and bigger budgets and new parking lots. Yes, yes. And the sad thing is, this is a tough sell. And I feel like the Apostle Paul. You got to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see what can the church be? What's its potential? Is it really the ecclesia, the governing body in the earth? The called out ones? Does God really want to show the whole earth how great he is through us? Yes, he does. And so there's more. The Bible way, you can't help but read the book of Acts and go, give me some of that. In AD 40, check out these numbers there were about 1,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. 65 AD, 20,000 Christians. A little over 200 years later, there's 20 million 
Christians. 50 years later, it's almost 30 million Christians. Remarkably, 53% of the Roman Empire had become converted to Christianity. How? We see it in Acts chapter 2. I'm skipping ahead for the sake of time. Verse 42 says, describing that early church right after they had been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Underline those things in your Bible if they're not. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And look what the next verse says. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. You think? You think? Day one, boop, 3,000. He added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a key word in this passage that separates the modern church from the early church, and it's the word devoted. They were devoted to the word, the apostles' teaching. Paul said the church is built upon the foundation, the apostles and prophets, and what they taught. The apostles, do we love the word? Do we have a pastor who preaches the word? Do we? Because I'm, okay, I'm not going to come with some TED Talks and Dr. Feelgood stories and Oprah stuff. I'm going to give you scripture, scripture, scripture. And then it's all, the blood's off my hands. It's on you and the Holy Spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit can be trusted. If I give you the word and you eat it and you welcome Holy Spirit in your life, you can't help but change. Your house is going to change. The water level of Holy Spirit activity in your life, marriage, family, home, job is going to go up. Y'all are not out there this morning, but I'm feeling good and getting set free up here. And I'm not just kidding. Second thing, fellowship. As the Spirit of God empowered the early church, they were devoted to fellowship. Koinonia, we've talked about it. Communitas. They had a dedication that would be impossible unless God was in their midst. They fellowship. This is why we eat meals together. Next weekend, we're starting our small groups again. I already saw some pictures. I think it was Scott and Sean and your group. Can't wait till next week. Wanting to already get together. There's a lot about fellowship. You can't be a lone ranger in the kingdom. You need people. The third thing was the breaking of bread, which we're getting ready to celebrate here in a minute. Everybody look here. Oh, Lord, help me finish this stuff. The breaking, the sharing of the meal when the believers got together was more than just a regular meal. They always finished it with taking communion. And when they gathered, they remembered that Jesus said, this is my body. And he took it and he said, and it's broken for you. And they saw that, many of them. No doubt all of them, if they weren't there when Jesus did, they had heard one of the disciples talk about that first communion experience. And then throughout the coming years, we don't realize this stuff. When they would gather, they would 
Some would have scars or broken bones from the persecution they were enduring. And when they took communion, they felt it, felt it. Sometimes they would gather and someone who was there, the last time they gathered was not there anymore. He was there or she was there. And they still took communion. If communion ever becomes boring to us, we're doing it wrong. Lord, we just thank you for offering your body and your blood, Jesus. They got together. And when they took this, they were inspired to be, they were communed with oneness, a Latin term. They were made one again with God. They're remembering what Jesus did on the cross. And not only that, John 13, when Jesus did it, he washed their feet. And he said, and they were made one with each other. And I know we're rugged individuals out here in the suburbs and we're too busy to be connected. But we can't be too busy and not be connected. The fourth thing and the final thing was prayer. They prayed. Um, this is five or six years ago. I read from Francis Chan's great book on page 62. Please listen to this. Do you remember the last time you gathered with believers just to pray? Or is prayer something you do only before you eat or something your church does only when it needs to transition out of the sermon while the band walks onto the stage? Would you say that prayer plays any meaningful role in the life of your church? If prayer isn't vital for your church, then your church probably isn't vital. This statement may be bold, but I believe it's true. If you can accomplish your church's mission without daily, passionate prayer, then your mission is insufficient and your church is irrelevant. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. They knew they couldn't exist without it. If God didn't come through, they could never fulfill the mission he had given them. So they were constantly on their knees in prayer. And Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Brothers and sisters, he commands us as a church to be devoted. The apostles' teaching fellowship, the breaking of bread, doing this in a meaningful way, and then lastly, prayer. Do you remember the last time we gathered just to pray? I do. Less than 24 hours, well, about 24 hours ago we did that. Now, I, I have more to say, and it's good stuff. But you're going to have to come back next week. Um, do you remember, um, I'll tell these, these two things just to try and wrap it up as we come to the Lord's table. I trust you know my heart, how sincere I feel this stuff. And you know, you could misread my 
my personality and think, he's just kind of hype, dude. I'm not. If I don't believe in something, I, I don't buy it and I don't sell it. But, bro, if I believe in it, I sell it. You know, I told you all about key lime cookies at Trader Joe's, my <laughs> chiropractor, the, the power of stretching and all this stuff, right? So much so, like, you, if you don't eat key lime cookies, I don't even know if we can be friends from Trader Joe's, you know. But that's how I am. If I believe in it, I believe in it. And so I'm at Kroger this spring. I'm not Kroger, Publix. Oh, God, forgive me. And... Um, <laughs> And I'm checking out, like I always do, wearing a restoration shirt. I'm a half a mile from our church. And there's an African-American lady checking me out. And she says, hello, did you find everything you need? I said, oh, yes, I did. I found some stuff I didn't need. I bought them too. She said, did you? I said, yeah. She said, uh, you're blessed, aren't you? I said, you don't even know how blessed. Y'all remember this story? I'm like, you don't even know how blessed I am. She goes, you sound like a preacher. I said, I am. She said, no, you are not. I said, I am. She said, where? I said, right down the street on the left. She said, no, you're not. I said, I am too. This went on for, she goes, you ain't no white preacher. I said, unfortunately, I am a white preacher. I like to be some person of color because it sounds better coming out. We had this whole conversation. And I said, and her name was Mimi. I could see it. I said, Mimi, you need to come to our church. Y'all remember? Like three days later, she comes down between services, and it's Mimi. We took a picture of her. She told us she lives in the inner city, has to take the bus to get up here. And she started coming early and asked if she could do the early service and then go to work. Y'all remember this story? A couple weeks ago, Cheryl pulled this voicemail off of our voicemail system, and I want you to hear it. This is me, me. Hi, Cheryl. Um, my name is Mimi. I work at Publix. Um, my message is for Pastor Chuck. Um, I'm no longer at the Publix um, on Rucker Road. I had to relocate to a different one out at the Vinings, and um, so I won't be able to come to church anymore, but I just wanted to let you, I wanted to let Pastor Chuck, um, his wife, his entire family, the entire Restoration Church know that I sincerely appreciate you guys welcoming me with open arms, um, just, just making me feel comfortable and wanted and accepted, and I can't even accept explain or express how grateful I am to you guys. I've been going through some difficult times, but I've made it through, and I know that you guys helped me get through those difficult times. So I'm going to miss church, um, the church family. I'm going to miss Publix on that side of town. But you guys, be blessed. Stay safe. I love you, and thank you, thank you, thank you. It, that just wonderful? Oh. Isn't that wonderful? God, help us to fully reach our potential as a church. We were last week in Dallas, uh, San Antonio, and we took our five youngest children. It wasn't cheap. 
we wanted them to experience the International General Assembly of the Church of God. And they did. And they got to see Latinos preach, African American preach, a lady preach, two ladies preach. They got to see the 186 different countries where missionaries from around the world came in. And on Thursday night, Banks, who's like me, he said, Dad, how old were you the first time you came to the General Assembly? And I said, I, I was a teenager. I don't remember exactly. He said, Dad, I'm going to bring my kids to the General Assembly. I said, really? He goes, because I want what touched you and what touched me to touch them. Seven or 8,000 people in worship, the church international in one room. Something spiritual, it's a mystery. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When we gather, may your kids say, I want my children to experience what I'm experiencing. Because the church is the hope of the world. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning. God, give us a vision of what restoration can be more than some spiritually entertaining place that appeals to individualistic desires. May we be devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Stand with me. If you'll take your elements, the Bible says that Jesus, the last meal with the disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. When you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us so that ours can be made whole. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You're thankful for his body that was offered up, the stripes that were placed on his back. After the meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the symbol. This is my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you drink it, remember me. Let us remember and worship in gratitude. I remember the feeling I remember the moment I remember my guard down I remember eyes open And I gave it all, I gave it all to you This is more than religion This is more than building This is more than tradition This is why we're living so we give it all, we give it all to you. Yes, we give it all, we give it all to you. It's the church, is the hope of the world. It carries the message of Christ to the earth. She was filled with nails 
ahead and set your elements down and let's celebrate sing this together the church is the hope of the world it carries the message of christ into the earth and she was filled with death's god hands the gates of hell don't stand a chance i'll spend my life I'll be building the church of Jesus. Alright, I want Dean to sing. Dean, I want you to sing it like you've never sung before. Second verse? Second verse. Okay. I want you to sing like you're seven feet tall. Oh, there is power when your people gather. The truth and the spirit are working together. Well, there's nothing you, there's nothing you can do. Oh, Jesus, make us more and more like you. Because the church is the whole of the world. It carries the message of Christ to the earth. She was filled with nails, God has the gates of hell. I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. This is all that matters. Here we go. This is all that matters. Come on. And this is why he died. And this is now and ever. It's We're not a time to hide. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. And this is resurrection. Come on. And this is death to life. And this is kingdom coming. We're running out of time. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. This is all. This is all that matters. Come on. And this is why he died. And this is now or never. Come on. It's not a time to hide. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. This is resurrection. And this is death and life. And this is kingdom coming. We're running out of time. So what are we waiting for? Let's build this church. Let's build this church. God, build your church. Let's build this church. Because the church is the hope of the world. It carries a message of Christ to the earth. Well, see what's built with I'll spend my life building the church of Jesus Christ till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ till the day I die. I'll be building the church of Jesus Christ. Oh.
praise you, Lord. We partner with you. You're the one building the church, but you fill us with your spirit and you use us. Just speak life and blessings over every man and woman, every family. As we leave, Lord, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace this week. And may he use you as light in a dark world, salt in a culture that's lost its real flavor. In the name of Jesus, in Publix, and Kroger, at the bank, in your cul-de-sac, may he use you. May we be the church. This is the ark to save people from what's coming. How many of you are glad to be in the ark this morning? Amen. God bless you all as you go. Have a great afternoon. We love you.